Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Specific, like a specific call. Moses got a very specific call, right? A lot of characters in the Bible have. But then, um, or it could not be a specific call. It could just be your own desires within you that you want to do something great for the Lord and make a difference. Um, Maybe it's, you know, to write a book or to write a song or to be a worship leader or a pastor. Um, I remember Mark shared in his message, he really wanted to help people. And he eventually, you know, decided to become a pastor to do that. But that was the desire with him to help people. Um, It could be, you know, to lead a Bible study, um, to be a a leader in, in the city where you live or in your workplace. Um, it could be um, to be a missionary. It could be to help couples who are struggling with their marriage. It could um, you know, be to rescue people who are helpless or hopeless. Um, but whatever it is, it feels big to you. And, um, and there's this hesitation where you're like, yeah, how could I really do that? And, and we feel hesitant because it's so far from our current reality. And um, the thing about God is he's not afraid to show us the end goal no matter how far we are from it. He's not afraid to invite us into something when we're not anywhere near that place. Okay, that's just kind of how he is. So with Gideon... He calls Gideon a mighty warrior. Well, at the time he called Gideon a mighty warrior, Gideon was anything but a mighty warrior at that moment, right? But eventually Gideon did become that mighty warrior. Um, With with Peter, Jesus says, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, at the time Jesus said that to him, he wasn't exactly rock-solid material, right? right? He He soon denied Jesus three times, but he became rock solid and ended up getting martyred, you know, for his faith. He became that. But at the time of the invitation, at the time of the calling, these characters were far from that. It's like this. Okay, you guys could probably relate to this. This is just kind of the funny image I get in my mind when I'm thinking about it. It would be like a parent telling a toddler... You are going to grow up and be a really um, influential, successful CEO. And the, the two-year-old's like standing there peeing their pants and like throwing food and having a tantrum all within five minutes. And it's like, you know, what? A CEO? You just can't see it, right? The two-year-old couldn't even comprehend it probably. But, but God's just not afraid to draw us into something no matter how far we are from it. So I'm going to zero in and really talk about your unique dreams and anointings. But before I do that, there's just a few little things I want to say first. Because there's some things that aren't necessarily unique. There's some things that we're all called to, right? Like the Great Commission, we're all called um, to spread the good news of Jesus and make disciples. We're all called to um, obey the Bible, follow God's instructions. You know, these aren't specific person to person. Um, But um, even your 
um, even our personal, unique call, although it's different from one another, it will still have something in common. We'll be furthering God's kingdom on earth, right? Even though what we all do will be different. So I wouldn't want us to use our pursuit of our unique call as a cop-out for what we're all called to. Um, and also, we don't want to use it as an excuse for inactivity. Like, let's say if someone feels called to write a book and be an author. Well, um, you know, they, they shouldn't say, well, um, I can't go encourage that lady who's sitting over there, like, weeping in the corner. Clearly, she probably needs someone to, like put their arm around her and, and pray for her. But that's not my call. I'm, I'm meant to write a book, right? Well, you know, maybe what God wants you to do is serve faithfully in your local church for 15 years and just love and encourage people and pray for them. And that will be the material that you use for your book. So you see what, I, what I'm saying here? So we don't want to use it as a cop-out. All right. Well, um, let's just dig right in. We're going to read the story of Moses. And we're going to look at Moses' call at the burning bush. We're going to look at his process of growing in authority in his calling. And then we'll see what walking in authority looked like for him. Sound good? All right. Sounded like somebody said I have a question, but I'm assuming that... Oh. (laughs) All right. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of background because we're going to start at the burning bush. And some of you might not know the story of Moses. It's very common. Most of you probably do. But in case there's a few who don't, I'll just quickly share the background. Moses is an Israelite. He um, was born in in a time when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Um, Pharaoh was a harsh ruler and and um, treated them terribly, and they just worked and worked. And he didn't like, Pharaoh didn't like how many Israelites there were. Israelites are God's chosen people, his special people, and they're in captivity. And um, so um, Pharaoh says, kill all the baby boys. He's trying to control the numbers there. So he says, kill all the baby boys. Well, Moses' mother does not want that to happen, obviously. So she decides to build a little basket boat and put Moses in that, puts him in the river, and he floats down the river. Hopefully, you know, he won't get killed by the, by the um, Egyptian soldiers. Well, amazingly enough, Moses gets found by Pharaoh's daughter, and so she ends up adopting him. So Moses is adopted and grows up in the, an Egyptian home, as royalty under, you know, an Egyptian um, household. Well, when he grows up, he um, ends up murdering an Egyptian slave master who's mistreating an Israelite. You know, he's probably feeling like, oh, I'm going to defend my people, right? And so he decides to murder the Egyptian. Well, Pharaoh finds out and now wants to kill Moses. So Moses has to flee. And so he flees to Midian And when he's there, he meets his wife, he gets married, and he ends up living um, under his father-in-law's household and um, tends his flocks. And that's his, his livelihood and his work. And he's been there a long time. And he's out caring for the, the flocks. 
and he sees a bush that's burning, but it's not burning up. It's, it's still intact. And so Moses is curious and he goes over and God begins to speak to him out of the bush. And um, this is in Exodus 3.10. And, and God says to Moses, I have heard the, the cries and the agony of the Israelites. They're being, you know, mistreated and, um, and I want to rescue them. And so, um, I am sending you, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So his response is like, uh, I think you got the wrong guy. <laughs> Ain't no way that's happening. And I believe we each have a burning bush call where you have a call to do something. You can insert your name in that verse. So go now, Luke. I am sending you to fill in the blank. So go now. You know, you can fill your name in there. And um, so, so there's this call and God is calling Moses. And... Um, and Moses has that hesitation that we talked about, right? Where he's like, uh-uh. <laughs> well, um, I think that's really common to feel that because it can be really big, right? I'll share, I'll share one of mine. I feel like we can have several different areas where we are gifted and called to. But one of mine that I wholeheartedly rejected for a long time was um, to sing prophetically, Um I was spending time with God one time when I was in junior high, I think, and I just saw this image of me singing because I've always been on the worship team as a backup singer. And um, so I saw this image of me singing out prophetically to a t- like a lot, a lot of people. And as I was singing prophetically, the Holy Spirit was moving and people were getting healed. People were getting set free. The Holy Spirit was just doing all kinds of awesome things in the area. And so I like quickly forgot that. Like, oh, that's crazy. I'm not doing that, you know. And it's just, I'm that, I'm that nervous, timid background singer. I'm not, you know, this is the most ridiculous picture you've ever shown me in my life, you know, kind of a thing. And, um... But slowly over the years, he'd kind of remind me of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. You know, and um, so back in um, uh, February, like I said, when God started talking to me about, you know, growing in authority and your calling, I, I finally started to, you know, say, all right, God, I believe this is you. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to start taking small steps. Towards that, I'm obviously don't feel ready to do that or where or how I would even do that. I don't know. But if you're showing me that you're inviting me into it, I'll take steps. And later I'll talk about practical stuff. So I'll pick that story back up later. But right now I'm telling you stories and moving you emotionally. So we're not going to get too practical yet. <laughs> All right. So um, there Moses is at the bush. He has the call. And he's feeling super inadequate. Well, what God does next is awesome. He equips Moses with power from him. He anoints his staff. He anoints his hand. And he anoints his mouth. Let's read it. In Exodus 4, 
Moses, right, is super nervous, has all these excuses. God, what if they do not believe me? What if, what if, you know, Pharaoh or even the Israelites, if they say the Lord didn't appear to you, you know, and, and then the Lord says to him, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a staff. And the Lord says, throw it on the ground. So the staff becomes a snake. And then God says, pick it up by the tail. Moses picks it up by the tail and it becomes a staff again. So God is anointing with power from him what's in Moses' hand. Then God says, put your hand inside your cloak. He, and Moses takes it out and it is white with leprosy. Nasty leprosy hand. God says, put it back in your cloak. He puts it back in his cloak. Takes it out. Healthy, whole, perfect hand. And so God is, is anointing Moses' hands with power from him. And Moses says to the Lord, Lord, I have never been eloquent. You know, he, he's like, I, I can't speak well. And you're asking me to go to Pharaoh. I've never been um, eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant here at the bush. It's so funny. Like, like nothing's really changed in the last few minutes here at the bush either. I'm, I'm still uh, not very eloquent. And, um, but the Lord says to him, who gave man his mouth? And so, so God promises, he says, I will help you speak, Moses, and teach you what to say. So God is just promising, I'm going to anoint your mouth. I am going to speak through you. So here we have super nervous, timid Moses, and God is just equipping him with power. His hand, his staff, his mouth. And, um, and so the hand represents, whenever... Whenever hand is mentioned in the story or staff, I want you to know what's represents. So the hand represents your action, anything that you do. And the staff represents um, what is in your hand. Okay? So um, the thing you use <clears throat> in your hand. So it's your gift, your calling, speaking, preaching, prophesying, teaching, evangelizing. Okay? So I would like to suggest to you this morning that God is inviting you into something and he is going to equip you with power and anoint what he's given you and anoint your hands and anoint your mouth to do it. All right, so Moses reluctantly agrees to this plan that God has proposed. And um, so he begins a journey. He gets his wife and sons and they're journeying now back to Egypt to do what God has asked them to do. And along the way, this is a really crazy part of the story. God almost kills Moses. How many of you guys remember this part of the story? Isn't that wild? Okay, so see what happened was Moses hadn't circumcised his sons. And that's a really big deal for an Israelite. That's the symbol that you are God's. And that you are set apart and you're his. And so that was a super big deal that Moses hadn't done that with his sons. And so he appears and is about to kill Moses. And then this is crazy. I wish I could see like a movie of this. Zipporah, his wife, says that she takes a a flint knife and she quick, she goes off and she cuts off her son's foreskins and brings them back and like, Puts him at Moses' feet in between him and God, and, and God spares his life. Like, fastest circumcision ever to save her husband's life. Like, that must have been crazy. Like, I'm just imagining the boys, like, 
what just happened? Anyway, anyway, so as I'm reading this story, I'm like, okay, God, what is that in there for? Or, you know, you know, tell me, you know, talk to me about this. And he said to me, I call you into your anointing before you're perfect. And so um, because of that, when we say yes and we start to take steps towards following our our call and our anointing, that we might need to make some changes to how we lived our life before. Um, you know, as parents, maybe there's some ways that, you know, you've been, like Moses, you know, dealing with your children or, or setting up the structure of your family that would need to change a little bit. Um, but, but God's just okay with that because he uh, prunes us as we go. That's his plan. So he's not, like, surprised or too broken up about that. Um, So let's look at the verse in John 15 that talks about pruning. Um, John 15, 2. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So I am a gardener. I love gardening. Anyone else in the room can relate to that? Anybody? Awesome. Great. It's super fun. So um, with gardening, your favorite bushes and shrubs, like you, for me anyway, you know, I like to prune them. I like, because I know it makes them even more beautiful and strong. You know, if I've got a, a bush that's sort of like spindly and lanky, I know but if I prune it, it's gonna it's gonna get strength and its foundation will be healthier and stronger. If I have you know a branch that's sort of half dead and, and not doing great, if I cut it off, I know that the energy can go to the healthy parts right. of the of the plant that that are bearing you know that is bearing fruit. And so um, that's how God is. You know, um, if I didn't care about my garden, if I didn't care about my bushes. I would neglect them. I wouldn't trim them. I wouldn't prune them. I wouldn't care to shape them. But God isn't like that. He does not neglect us. He loves us. So that is just part of our journey. All right. So um, he prunes us as we go. All right. So then the next part uh, that I want to pull out from this story is in Exodus 4, 27 through 29. And it's just... Moses is just feeling like he's going to be a kind of alone in this. He's nervous still about the whole speaking thing. And so the Lord um, says, I'm going to send your brother Aaron to help you. And that is a huge comfort and help to Moses. And so um, the point there is that God sets up people to partner with us in this journey as we're pursuing our call. And we just see that all throughout the Bible. You know, the New Testament, Jesus was sending his disciples out on missions in groups of two. There's this, there's this help that he sets up. You're not like, you have to go alone and, and just like suffer all by yourself or something. Like he, he wants to set up that support. Paul was always, you know, Barnabas and Paul, Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy, he was always paired up. So God um, will set up people to partner with us. All right. So here we go. Let's keep going through his story and pull out what we can learn and apply to our um, lives as we pursue the call God's given us. 
Okay, so <clears throat> Moses gets to Egypt and um, he appears to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh's like, no way, you know, and just shuts it down. It's horrible. He, he ends up making um, life even more miserable for the Israelite slaves. So they are just having an even worse time of it. And Moses' confidence is really, really low. Like he is, if he was feeling low before, now he's like underground low, right? He's, Moses says to God, why would Pharaoh listen to me? You know, but then what God does is super cool here. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron will be your prophet. So God takes Moses in that state. And, and, and Moses is like, you know, taking steps in his calling. And God just elevates his authority. Making him like God to Pharaoh, who's ruler of Egypt. And, you know, that's just amazing. Giving him a prophet. Like God just did that and boosted up his authority in the area of his calling. And then... <clears throat> I love to see how um, God and Moses start to build this track record throughout the, the plagues that follow. Um, and I'm going to just read them and show you what I mean. Every, almost every plague was initiated by either Moses or Aaron's staff or hand. So remember that God anointed with power his staff and hand, right? And so, so God's allowing Moses to practice and to grow in his authority and grow in confidence in the area of his calling, um, which is really powerful. So we can see Moses' change over time. Um, the Lord says to Moses, take in your hand the staff and strike the Nile and, it, and the water will become blood. Um, he says uh, to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up out of the land. So frogs cover the whole land because of the staff. Um, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. Throughout the land, Egypt will be covered with gnats. Um, take handfuls of soot from the furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh. And a fine dust will settle over all of Egypt and boils will cover everyone's body in Egypt. Um, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that hail will fall over Egypt. And so I just love that God decided to initiate all of these plagues through Moses' hand or staff or Aaron's hand and staff. And he's just building, because God could have just done it some other way. But he was, he was building Moses' confidence with this process. And, um, and um, he, you know, he didn't take Moses straight from the burning bush to the Red Sea parting. He didn't do that. He took him through this journey of growing in confidence where Moses is... Faith in God grew. His trust where this track record was built that he knew, God, you come through. You move through me with power. 
you know, you have um, raised my level of authority and it's you that is working through me and I can trust you. And so through this whole, there's so many, um, stretch out your hand over Egypt and locusts will swarm over the land. Um, Stretch out your hand toward the sky and darkness will cover. So each time I can just see Moses growing. And um, I just want to say something about as your authority grows in the area of your calling, that, um, that you'll feel different. And it could feel wrong to feel so confident and strong in the area of your calling. It could feel uncomfortable, like God is lifting you up. He is raising your authority And he's given you that. And you could be like, okay, this feels a little awkward. I'm going to go back down to where I'm used to to things. But that's totally counterintuitive to the the goal here. So, um, because we could mistake our growing in authority for pride. Because we don't want to be prideful, right? Um, But I would just encourage you this morning that, um, you know, God is not... Is not worried about your pride. If you should enter into pride, he can he can handle that. He's very secure. Um, you're growing a branch. That means you're doing something. He can shape. He can prune you. It's okay. So I would just encourage you to embrace the authority that he's giving you and to that level that he's raising up, that he's raising you up to. You could ask yourself, if you're not sure, like, okay, um, am I raising myself up? Like, am I lifting myself up and trying to make myself great? Okay, then that's pride. But if it's not, if it's God, then it's right. It's biblical. It's, it's authority. And that's, that's the process he wants you to. He needs to raise you up. You're not going to be ready to part the sea until he, he raises you up. Okay? <clears throat> All right, so let's keep going here. Um, um, so the, all the plagues happen, and um, and then the next point I want to bring out is that um, in Exodus eleven three it says that Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. Wow, look how far he has come, right? Highly regarded by Pharaoh's officials? That's amazing. So eventually your authority will be recognizable. Even your enemies will recognize your authority. There will be that change and transformation. Okay, so um, finally Pharaoh's like, okay, go. You know, you can can take the Israelites and you can get out of here. And so um, Moses takes all the Israelites and they're leaving Egypt to worship God and they're going to be free and it's just amazing. So they travel um, and all of a sudden they get up to the Red Sea. It's blocking them. And this crazy thing happens, super scary. Um, Pharaoh changes his mind. And he's, what have I done? He's thinking, I just let all of my slaves go. Now what am I going to do? And um, so he is just regretting that. And so he just goes after him and he's going to get him back. So just, you know, takes all of his chariots and is just chasing after, after these people. And here they are stuck. 
at the Red Sea. Not a great situation to be in. And um, Exodus 14, 13 through 16, um, this is what happens. Um, the people are complaining. They are mad at Moses. They're like, why did you bring us out here to die in the desert? We would much rather be slaves back in Egypt. We don't want to die out here in the desert. So they're complaining to Moses. And um, Moses answers the people. He says to them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Who is this guy? Very different from the burning bush guy who's like, who am I that you should, you know. He has grown so much that he has so much confidence in the Lord that he can stand there before these people and proclaim that. The Lord will fight for you. His confidence has totally grown. So he says that to the people, and then he's like, okay, hold that thought. God, what are we going to do? You know, he, he cries out to God. He's like, because it's, you know, really quite a, quite a situation. Um, <clears throat> but I love God's response. Like, this is so funny to me. Because this is what God's like. God's like, why are you asking me? What's in your hand? Haven't I taught you how to use that? Go ahead. Just go ahead. And, um, okay, I'll read you the real text. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Stretch Stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Like, duh, you know. (laughs) So funny. It's like. You know, Moses had had come to such a point that he he had grown in authority in the area of his calling where he was ready to part the sea. And so he did. And so um, no matter where you are in, in your life, you can accept and pursue your call. Age does not matter. Um, Moses, um, when he appeared before Pharaoh, he was 80 years old. He died at 120. That was the last third of his life. So, you know, if you're planning to live to 90 and you're about 60, you're just ready to get started. Um, You know, the disciples were in their 20s. So age, your age does not disqualify you. Your gender does not disqualify you. Your um, ethnicity doesn't disqualify you. Your background, how you were raised, you are not disqualified. You have a call. All right, so let's look at some practical application for this. I hope while I've been talking where you, you, that you've kind of been stirred a little bit like, yeah, I think I, I have felt drawn to, you know, teach or drawn to, to, to write or whatever um, it might be. So, um, yeah, just... I would ask you, you know, what is, you can ask yourself, you know, what is your unique calling? And if, if as I've been sharing today, you don't have something and nothing kind of is coming to mind yet, um, I would just encourage you to, um, 
And just ask yourself a couple questions like, um, what makes me feel alive? Like, what excites me? What, what am I good at? What am I gifted at? Like, when have I felt most satisfied in life? You know, like, um, was it when you um, explained a truth about the Bible to someone that was confused and then they kind of had an aha moment and, and that really helped them? You know, what, what are some things in your life that has really caused you to come alive? That those are good clues into, into your kind of dreams and desires and your unique callings. Um, another thing is um, sometimes we're so good at squishing down our dreams that they're so smashed down that we kind of need to uncover them to let them come out. So you might need to just pray, God, would you awaken within me my dreams? Um, but anyway, so, um, what is your unique calling? Um, if it's a major life change type thing, like I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, you know, do something quite, um, different than you are right now, I'd really, really encourage you, um, to check it with a pastor, pastor's wife, your spiritual mentor, um, because all prophecy should always be checked, not only against scripture, but submitted to your spiritual leadership. Um, because the Bible says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. It also says, uh, let one prophet speak and another judge. And so you don't want to just make these major life things because um, we prophesy in part. So you want to have, God puts in that check and balance system. Um, for us. So, so check it um, and then take hold of it. So once you've got your calling, take hold of it like the staff in your hand and claim it and say, yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to start going for it. And then um, ask yourself, how can I start walking toward it now? It could be where you're at in your life right now, super small. Maybe it's not anything super different that you're doing right now. But you've decided and your, your eyes are on that track. Um, I, I heard a story about Joyce Meyer. How many of you know Joyce Meyer? She's, you know, a super um, famous, amazing um, Bible teacher. She just can teach the Bible so well. Well, she tells the story that when um, God, when she felt God calling her to teach the Bible, she knew nothing about the Bible. And she actually worked a full-time job and spent all of her time doing something that didn't have anything to do with the Bible or anything to do with learning the Bible. And it was, you know, okay, God. Well, through a lot of, you know, series of events, she decided, okay, I'm going to say yes to this call. She quit her full-time job, stayed home with her toddlers, and committed to um, just pour over the scripture and learn the Bible while they were napping every day. And that's how she learned the Bible. And I would say that she has grown and she's now parting the sea in the area of her calling. Um, but it started, it started, you know, small for her. And so, um, you know, I told you guys mine to sing prophetically. So I decided... The practical steps I was going to take is I was going to take time that when I'm alone with God, I'm just going to turn on some worship music and start exercising that and just start singing out, you know, what is on my heart um, for, for people. 
and what I feel like God wants to do. Um, and just practice that. You know, I'm going to learn what I can from um, Carrie and Peter, the worship leaders in Kalamazoo. I'm going to I'm going to make the worship night a priority to go when I can. I'm going to go to the worship leaders conference next month. Okay, so there's just like these little things that I can grow in in that and say yes. Um, and then um, then lastly, just evaluate. Along the way, how's it going? Are you still saying yes to your um, call? We can get busy, right? <laughs> we can get distracted. And it's good to just kind of evaluate. And say, okay, am I still on track here? Am I still saying yes? Am I still taking steps towards growing in this? And then have I seen, you can evaluate, have I seen my confidence grow in this? Do Have I grown in authority? And you can evaluate, and that's really good. Um, all right, so um, like I said, you all have a call. You all have gifts. God will anoint your hands. He will anoint what's in your hands, and he will anoint your mouth. And you can begin walking toward your call today. You can watch your confidence and authority grow as you do it and see what you and God will accomplish together for his kingdom. Amen. We'll go ahead, um, go ahead and stand up. And I'm just going to pray over you to close. Um, yeah, so just go ahead and close your eyes and just respond. I'm just going to pray over you and then we'll close the service. So just close your eyes, open your hands in, in a uh, posture of receiving. And um, Father, I just thank you for these people here this morning. I just thank you for them. I pray right now that your love would just surround them. And you would just um, just clothe them with your love, and that you would just draw out within them um, the passions and the giftings that you've put within them. So, uh, church, I just bless the dreams within you. I bless the anointing over you. I bless the call that God has given each and every one of you. You're each called to partner with God and do mighty things as His sons and daughters. So I just pray blessing over you to be able to identify your call and then begin to grow in it and grow in authority in the area of your anointing. I just love you and I bless you, church, in Jesus' name. And just repeat after me as just as a response to this. If you want to, you know, just kind of commit, yeah, I want to go. I want to go toward my, my call. So just repeat after me and say, Father, I say yes. To the dream you've put within me, would you highlight to me the gifts you've given me and the um, things you've put within me to do for you, to do with you? Help me to start walking in it, to continue walking in it. Practicing it, Practicing it. Developing, a track record developing a track record where I can trust you every time. I look forward to growing in authority in it. And I look forward to the mighty things we will do together. Amen.